0: I don't like the idea of role models because even the people that I look up to, those people wouldn't want to be role models. What we should be looking at in people is we can take things from people and be inspired by those people, but don't put these people on a pedestal because that means you're trying to please somebody. Somebody else is in mind and you're sacrificing compromising your own. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So for me, if someone's like, well, we look up to you and you're a role model, I would say, well, that sounds like that's your problem. I'm just being me and going to do what I want to do. If you want to take something from that that inspires you, good. If you don't like something, then don't pay attention to it. You know, I, I, if you start to really worry about what other people think about you, that's where it all goes wrong. So I'm just going to keep that same mentality of like, I better just be funny.
1: Welcome to the Underground Comedy Podcast with Sean Joyce. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com. Hey, what's up? Thanks for checking us out. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area, this weekend we've got D.C.'s Best Showcase at Big Hunt and Megan Gailey at D.C. Drafthouse. You can get tickets for those shows on the Underground Comedy website. Our guest today is Matteo Lane. Matteo is a very funny comic who has been headlining our shows for years. He's a regular at the Comedy Cellar and has appeared on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Late Night with Seth Meyers, Comedy Central, and MTV. He hosts a podcast called Inside the Closet with Emma Willman, and he just put out a new 15-minute special on Netflix. Here's our talk.
0: I mean, we grew up next to O'Hare, so yeah. it was a blue-line stop away to the city, but yeah, it was the suburbs. And then did you go to college? Uh-huh. I went to the school, the Art Institute of Chicago, which is the museum, not that chain school, and it's downtown.
1: Right. And then you went to Italy after that?
0: I I've been going to Italy for a while because we have family and family friends there in mm-hmm. Sicily specifically. Um, there's Italians and Sicilians who have, for some some make a distinction some don't. But um yeah, so I would go to Sicily and uh, but I went to study at the the Italian is it L'Università di Pingere e Illustrazione I think of Monte Castello di Vibio, but it's a painting school in umbria that i went Mm -hmm. to and i studied because i was studying um alla prima method painting uh figure and still life and then i was doing storyboarding and fashion illustration on the side
1: so what did you think that you wanted to do when you started school
0: um i think i since a kid wanted to be famous you
1: just wanted to be famous
0: or Just like an actor, a performer. Like when I was a little kid, I was like, I'll be, I, it was always comedy. Like my Uncle Mike was always like, you're going to be the next Jim Carrey. And, uh, but then I discovered singing cause I'm an, I'm an opera singer and I mm-hmm. started singing when I was 15 and then that, the goal was like, I'm going to be Mariah. And then I, my grades weren't good enough to get me to any other school. Cause I didn't, I stopped going to class and stopped doing it. Right. like, I just wanted to, I hated school um but i was a good artist so i got accepted to the best art school <laughs> in the country so
1: basically you you went to the you went you went down that path just because you were good at, at
0: drawing. yeah drawing to me is like to me the most natural thing it's like blinking yeah. or breathing right it's just the most natural thing for me i've been doing it forever it's in my blood my mother's an artist my brother's the top designer at apple my sister's an interior decorator like wow. it's just in my blood so to right like right now like If I just sit and draw, like it's just singing and comedy. There's always a challenge to it with drawing. It was never really challenging. I mean, there was a lot to learn. And I when I went to college, I learned, you know, color theory and all, you know, all this, all the technical things that go into painting and drawing. But
1: but kind of in the back of your mind. You never really wanted to be an artist.
0: I mean, yes and no. I guess it was a form of expression. I, I just enjoyed expressing myself. But I really I mean, when I was in Chicago, I was drawing full time as a storyboard artist for TV commercials. Then at night I was performing in cabaret like these gay strip clubs. There was this cabaret group that went around and I Mm. went with them because they looked for singers and I could sing anything I wanted. It was horrific. I was (laughs) like singing in between strippers and like old men threw peanuts at me. But um, I was still I always in the back of my mind. I saw myself as like, I'm a star. I don't know. It's so narcissistic to think. But then I started doing comedy and I have no idea why, but it really just took off in a very, like, like everything settled and felt right. Yeah, I mean, I I think
1: it's kind of easy to see when, if anybody sees you on stage or when I'm just sitting talking to you, it does seem like you've got a lot of personality coming out of you all the time. It's my mom's family. And so, you know, it makes sense. You kind of, I think anybody would think, well, this guy, this guy could be on TV.
0: Well, I grew I grew up in a family that was um, always with my cousins, always with my family, always with my aunts and uncles, and I come from a very funny family. My family just happened to use humor as a way to deal with things. Right. Not like slapstick, very wit. Mm-hmm. So, my enti- I I was recently realizing my way of writing because everyone has different ways of writing. Sure. Sitting in coffee shops, this and that. I realized that my way of writing is topping constantly topping someone who makes like like for example if someone says something funny at the dinner table this could be like me 16 of my cousins aunts uncles yeah. this is a typical day in chicago with me um and my aunt is really funny my family is very really funny but my aunt in particular is very funny someone says something someone immediately says something to top it what we're doing is we're tagging each other mm-hmm. everyone is just constantly tagging each other and you better not speak up unless you i learned my timing as like a four-year-old sure because if you speak up you better have something funny to say. You better get Cindy to laugh.
1: Yeah, cuz it hurts when you chime in at the end and you get nothing after other oh, people yeah. are getting laughs. So you can feel it whether you, you know, do comedy or not. You, any person feels it when you if you say it in oh, class. You bomb. Yeah, you bomb. You feel the bomb no but matter my what. my
0: family, I'm on a text throw with all my cousins and uh, we it is so funny because they don't even realize how funny they are. Right. They're natural performers everyone is a natural comedian they say my aunt cindy tells stories she doesn't even understand she's pacing she's building she's got yeah. punchlines like i was like oh i think i just come from a really naturally funny family the difference though i think it like to be a comedian being funny just isn't enough there's that extra something yeah. that a sick part of you that wants you to be on stage you know
1: yeah you have to uh, have that drive to constantly write and go up over and over and over again
0: it, but also the need to want to even do it in the first place true like you know i think to me my cousin brian's the funniest person in the world or my aunt cindy but or my cousin megan or kelly but they i don't think that they belong on stage like i don't think that there's like p- a part of their brain that i don't think functions that way so i don't i'm not even the funniest person in my family right but i think i'm just like their ambassador you and
1: you think um that just uh, internal need to to be on stage it creates like a different level of performance beyond just being funny.
0: I think that a performer, people who like have a, a, a who seek performing, like almost as if it's a calling, mm-hmm. just have a different way of thinking in general. Yeah. Um, you know, like people have ambition to be funny or creative, but that doesn't mean they have ambitions to be like, my mother's an artist, but she mm-hmm. never had ambitions to do anything with it besides pleasing herself. And she's also Italian and Mexican, so her goal in life was like kids and family. But um, for me, I have my mother. I, be- I truly believe I just have my mother's talent, but with a different brain. But uh, you have a, a just a drive to succeed. Yes, I've just- always been driven. Even in school, I've always been hyperly competitive and really focused and adapting very quickly and learning very quickly.
1: So how did you go from singing in the cabaret to? doing stand-up
0: my friend Anais was dating Marty DeRosa at the time Marty's a a, one of my favorite people in the world but a fabulous comic Mm -hmm. he lives in Chicago and he was doing he does comedy and I don't I had just discovered because like gays don't really have I'm not speaking for all gays but for myself as a gay man I was I didn't really have an in into comedy I never loved comedy growing up okay because none of it was for me right I didn't relate to anything you know what i mean I mean ellen maybe because observational humor but like i never felt like like when i watch comedy now like i get how people feel like they're being spoken to that's why comedy is so infectious yeah but i never saw a comedian that ever spoke to me so a lot of the comics i'm with were comedy nerds since they were four yeah i wasn't but then i discovered joan rivers when i was 18. And that changed my life. It was the very first time in my entire life I felt like I was being spoken to, and it all of a sudden comedy made sense to me, in a way that it never made sense to me before. So I and I loved Kathy Griffin. I love her still, but I that was I loved Kathy Griffin, but Joan. Watching Joan when I was in college, that started giving me the bug, where mm-hmm. I suddenly felt this need, like I wonder. That's like I just I was naturally drawn to what she was doing, not just because. I related to it, but she wielded comedy as a weapon yeah. in a way most comedians don't use it. Definitely. Um, I mean, she went up like she was going into battle. It was, yeah, it's yeah. really something else to watch. And I, I, she's one of the few performers I've ever been physically moved by where I thought that a shift happened to me watching her. So I, I always had in the back of my head that I wanted to do comedy. Even at one point before I knew anything, because before you start comedy, you don't know what comedy is. No, not at all. You have no idea what an open mic is. You have no idea how to write jokes. Right. Nothing. So I didn't know what an open mic was. So I remember my friend Chuck was like, you can go to an open mic. He looked up online and I thought, yeah, I could do it. And then I chickened out last minute because I realized, oh, I don't have anything to say. I just thought, I just didn't know what it was. Yeah,
1: it's very confusing. Yeah. Because all you see is the people on TV. So you're like, what is before that? Right. That's like, not. I
0: don't even like singing. I could get I could sit yeah. in my room and sing or write music or something. But comedy, like what?
1: And I think now with so many podcasts and so many TV shows about comedy. Now, I think people are starting to have access they get it. to they They understand what the steps prior to being on TV are. Right. But, yeah, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. No. it you, you There was no way to know what that no. stuff was.
0: I've by the way this weekend is my seven year anniversary of doing comedy oh well congratulations so, thank you so I was like oh we're at work Mateo but all sold
1: out shows too
0: all sold out shows pretty good. how do you like that
1: That's a pretty good anniversary I, it is
0: a pretty good anniversary I'm very it's a very tender moment for me I'm like depressed this weekend so these sold out shows and yeah. having Mia here has been very um uplifting
1: yeah that's nice I'm about I started about seven and a half years ago yeah but I've I've trailed off the past. <laughs> That's not true. The past six months. Uh, Look, but,
0: comedy. Sometimes too, people get into comedy and realize it's a door to world you didn't even realize. Absolutely. People who become writers, they become producers, they become managers, they become directors, they become. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, it's not just. It's a very specific person where you see and you're like, well, that person's meant to be on stage. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: you know, and it's funny because uh, you know, hearing you talk about, it, hearing other people talk about, kind of what you're driven to do i don't necessarily have a drive to like be on stage Mm -hmm. and i'm not a person so much that like you know certain comics when they get on stage it's very difficult to get them off stage Mm -hmm. like you you know their time is up but they you just they want to be up there and it's hard to get them to go i mean i'm respectful of course
0: i show up on time i get off on time i don't get drunk but I am that person. You could leave me on stage and I could talk for three hours. Uh, to
1: me, I, I, it's more of like a puzzle to solve for me mm-hmm. where it's like I have a certain amount of time to fill and I'm trying to get a certain sound out of the crowd mm-hmm. throughout that time. And I'm just thinking I'm just trying to figure out the words to say during that time to make that happen, which is like it's very mechanical and it's not very it's not particularly performance oriented. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: But also different types of performance. Mitch Hedberg has nothing in common with Joan Rivers, who has nothing in common with Chappelle. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So you get different types of performers from different types of audiences. I happen to be a naturally performative person. I mean, it's a combination of things. Like, I'm very Italian. Italians, there's a phrase in Italy, we are actors not on a stage. Like, they just know they're always acting. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gay. Uh, You know, like, I'm just are all these like sort of natural elements to me that make me louder than the average person, um, but uh, yeah, I I definitely have an insane need to be on stage, yeah. drive and need to be on stage, and it's pretty much I just wait, I just tw- twiddle my thumbs all day till I'm on that stage.
1: It's interesting too for me to to see you because you're because you are very performance oriented, but you are also very traditionally stand up minded mm-hmm. in terms of like your approach to things and the things you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of comics I come across will end up in one, one side or the other. They'll be very joke oriented and getting up all the time. Um, and then other comics are very performance oriented and just kind of want to be on stage, but it's not as structured mm-hmm. or purposeful. Um, and I think they can end up succeeding in the same way, mm-hmm. but you're kind of You're very theatrical, but also very concerned about your jokes.
0: Well, because I'm very concerned what other comics think of me. Yeah. So, you know, it's a couple of things like Chicago. You can always tell a Chicago performer from a mile away. We do act outs. We love performing. And it is amazing city to start comedy. in. I mean, you you can experiment. And I mean, I remember seeing Candy Lawrence for the first time in Chicago, who's a brilliant comedian. She lives out in Los Angeles. And she was so different and wild and just it was like it changed my view on comedy and so i started experimenting singing and doing impressions i was doing all these things and it's great to do it in a place like chicago because i don't have anyone watching me right so i can just experience everything and sort of play around when i got to new york and you get to these open mics you know there's 60 of you you get two minutes to do an open mic i it became very clear that the writing was very important and not that i don't think i was already a natural writer but i got i i sort of um i'm a gay man who was trained by straight men how to do comedy yeah as opposed to a gay man who did it with gay people or with musical theater people and there's no wrong way to do it this is just happened to be the venue i took because i learned from right. uh, marty that's where i was, yeah. was the only person i knew did comedy i didn't know anyone else gay doing comedy so i just did what he did So when I got to New York, I just did what Marty told me to do. I went to open mics. I didn't do bringer shows. And I just made sure that every week I had a new joke I was working out. You start working it out on Sunday night. You build it up, build it up, and debut it at the Creek at 630 on Friday. And then you do the same thing the next week. And I always, in the back of my head, I'm very business-oriented in sense of, like, I wasn't writing jokes to make the comics happy, and I wasn't writing jokes that were New York. I always like, well, I'm writing jokes to the day I get in a theater. Yeah. So I had to do jokes that worked. Also, I'm battling a completely other thing that 99% of the room wasn't battling. I'm a gay man, right. and I have to make my life and my problems as relatable as everyone else is making their problems relatable. So I'm bridging the gap between my life and their life, trying to write jokes so they see I had no joke structure, and still trying to perform. So I'm balancing three things, but I think the, the, the one downside of being gay, among other things, which this is going to sound strange, is that I got a lot of attention quick yeah. because there's so few of us and people like something new. I mean, I got Montreal a year and a half into comedy. That's too early. I mean, you think I, so? I handled it very well. It went very well. It was a big success and I got a lot of things out of it. But now that I look back, I literally only had those six minutes sure i had nothing else besides those six minutes were you getting opportunities that required
1: you to do more
0: i had got yeah and you make do with what yeah, you do Figured it out um but now you know i knew that the only i look at my jokes as currency so i'm mm-hmm. o- i'm only as rich as the amount of material that i have now i don't develop and write jokes as fast as a michelle wolf i mean i'm telling you michelle wolf She's, in 15 I mean, minutes yeah, could mean, write a new hour
1: no you can't compare
0: yourself to her. no one can she is a phenomena that is i don't know i can't even describe her talent but for me i write jokes fairly quickly but i have to sit with them for a while and piece them together for a while so i have about 15 so i've debuted a total of 25 minutes of material on tv yeah actually with the comedy central show okay let's say 35 altogether mm-hmm. so now i have what you saw last night a full hour of material that's not been on tv right so i'm trying to build this up to make it as strong as the other yeah. jokes that were on tv but i've always just had this mind of like even when I was in college, everyone else was like, I'm just going to like paint my feelings. And I looked and I saw, okay, that's not going to get me a job. What's going to get me a job is if I draw storyboards. storyboard. So I learned how to storyboard. Yeah, you learned it's, the it's, technical
1: it's, part of it. Yeah,
0: I'm very interested in the technical aspects of whatever art I'm doing so singing I wanted to know how to breathe how to how to focus how to support how to create sound what my range is like how to play with the coloring of my voice so same thing with drawing I don't want to just draw I want to draw I want to paint I want to animate I want to do storyboarding I want to do I want to do it all and so comedy is kind of the same I want to just stretch myself as far as I can stretch myself to the limits that I can go and and just see what, yeah, just kind of see where I can go. Yeah, it's interesting,
1: and I've, I mean, I'm very drawn to that. Also, the technical side of it, and I also really appreciate comedians who are very technical in their approach. And you know, you don't know what people's mentality is when you see them on stage. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just watching people. And at this point, I, you know, I've seen enough that I, I start to know what people's mentality is just by watching them. Um, but you know, at first you know, this, like this group of comedians would be very appealing to me. And as I would talk to them about what their approach was, it often was, you know, exactly what you're talking about, which is like building the joke throughout the week, you know, when you're starting off and then later building a half hour, building an hour and going about it in a very systematic, just, yeah, systematic way. Um, and I think that when you do things that way, it just gives you a foundation, just like you're saying, like any artistic uh, endeavor, if you build up the foundation and the technical skills you're you're it's ready limitless you're ready you to do. move on to do anything right. yeah you can use well, that structure be, for everything be, i mean
0: in a way you know all art is the same so singing drawing comedy i see no difference in them in the sense that i knew that if i wanted to achieve what i f- saw in my head with art I had to learn the basics. I had to understand the foundation and the structure because that gives you security mm-hmm. to fall back on. Right. And when I'm secure, I can explore and play and build. Yeah. So with drawing, it was it's just I almost see myself in the process of drawing, singing and comedy. Like I see where I am in that process. So right now with comedy, I would say I'm just where I got my first storyboarding job. I've went through the college. I've, I've learned that sort of like what makes me me, what the technical aspects are. And now I'm in a whole new ball game. and I better use everything that I've got to learn and build more. Yeah. And it's always learning. You're never finished learning. I mean, I hope that I'm still going through this when I'm 50 and 60.
1: Yeah, because if you if you don't, then you're not putting out interesting material right. if you don't continue to go through that right. process of trying to, I
0: try to, even at the cellar, I, I perform there every single night. And when I perform there, I try to make sure the waitstaff's not bored with me. Yeah. So I'm always rotating my joke. So I may do a joke for a month because obviously I'm at the cellar. I better be killing, like I better be doing a good job. That's the most important. Cause I, there's no sense in getting on that stage and wasting anyone's time. Um, but I also, for my own self, I have to make sure that I'm constantly working on something new and mm. it helps to watch people like Michelle Wolf. Cause every time she gets on stage, there's something new yeah, definitely. and it's so exciting to watch her do it. So I make sure that I'm doing something new. So like for two months I was working on my ghost adventures joke, this show I watch ghost adventures with Evan Williams and it's so ridiculous. And so, I would say four months, to the first two months was really figuring out the beats, what I liked, what I didn't like, what was going on. I record every set. I listen back. I edit. I go back the next night. I do the same thing. And then when I finally found a rhythm that worked, I went to Vegas and then I went to this museum that the guy on the show has, and that was another five minutes. So then I had to work that down and then I put those two together. And so now I'm at a place where that jokes locked and loaded and it feels in a good place. And so I slowly start pushing that out and now I'm bringing in my material. I'm talking about the food network, um, and my breakup. And so those are the next things that I'm working into my set. Yeah. I mean,
1: when you talk to the comics a lot of times you know you you can understand who what comics you respect a lot and who who you look up to especially a lot of the seller comics like michelle and like sam morel and like mark norman like
0: those all brilliant joke writers and
1: and yeah and you talk to them and they're all obsessed with writing jokes constantly and constantly working on stuff and then same thing with you now i've never heard you talk about this before but as you're going through talking about it in this systematic way and it's like, it's very easy to see how you get to where you are now, which is just by working hard constantly. It's yeah. like, it's kind of a never, that's a up is never ending, you know, it's
0: never ending, but you know, I'm sort of in two mindsets. Like when I got to New York, I moved for a drawing job. So I was drawing full time. Mm-hmm. The first day I moved to New York, I didn't know anybody. I knew nothing. I went to an open mic and just started asking questions where do I I don't know how I did it I mean I could cry thinking about it. I have no yeah. idea how I did it but I found my way in every night I just went to a new open mic and finally found friends Evan Williams was my open mic buddy yeah and him and I every single day every day was we would do about three to four open mics a night and you would work towards that 630 spot or the six o'clock spot on the creek. And if you were v- called up in the first two groups of the creek, you knew you're doing well. Right. And um, you just find someone who has the same mindset as you. I didn't drink, I didn't party, I didn't date. I didn't I didn't do anything. I didn't explore the city. I didn't go to restaurants. I didn't have <laughs> yeah, brunches. Right. I didn't do anything. Yeah. I woke up. I went to work. I got out of work. I went to open mics till 2 a.m. and did the same thing the next day. And even went on Fridays. Friday nights were the big open mic nights. So then you do open mics till 11 p.m. I, I didn't even have a group of gay friends until like two years ago. And they all happen to be performers. They're all drag queens, which is a very similar world, by the way, as comedy. Same... World, except much bigger prep time. Um, so now that I'm like guaranteed spots, and I, you know, I'm like I can relax a little bit, trying to date and trying to go out and live a life. It's hard, absolutely, because I'm so used to working. Because I'm so used to like I'm trying to survive. So I don't know how to relax. Like people are like, where do we go eat? I'm like, I have two restaurants that I eat at in New York. Yeah, yeah. All of New York City, two gay res- gay bars. I have a new gay bar. I can't think of how long. Do you think that you will? try to have a more balanced life or do you think that you
1: will be required to just continually?
0: Well, I just tried with my boyfriend and I struggled with it. That was something I did wrong was I was struggling to maintain, but I'm also just as much as work as I think I've done. I have so much more work to go. I we mean, do, yeah. part of me is like, okay, Mateo, you've gotten this far. I never thought it would get this far. No one even knows who I, am. I mean, it's like, I'm not like, famous, right. you know, but it's like, I just see the next level and I know that I can get there. And yeah. if I just slack off now I'm fucked. Absolutely. So I just am like, I'm just in this constant work mode. I do get a little afraid. Cause I'm like, at some point I have to like, I can't take shows home with me. You know what I mean? Yeah, like of course. I'm going to get lonely. So I'm trying to, I, it's a, it's very depressing right now. Yeah. At the same well, time, getting
1: out of a relationship is depressing. Yeah. I,
0: I'm fr- people listening. I'm fresh off a breakup. So this is, I'm normally more cheerful than that's this. a,
1: that's a difficult thing, but professionally, I mean, it seems like you're in a very exciting time coming off. You're putting out the Netflix special and then now you're going on the road and you're going to get to have some of the benefits of the new fans that you get from that special. And Something that I see from all the work that you put into it up to this point is, okay, now you have all these eyes on you and people are really paying attention to you. Not They're not strangers as much, but because you put the work in, you're ready to perform for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people kind of in that middle ground, because it takes so long to get to being a touring headliner from being a feature and like getting five minute late night spots mm-hmm. that it's people get discouraged and I think they stop developing and then having that really that hour ready to go and being able to perform for an hour. And so to me, it's like, you're ready for that step. You'll be going through this and then it's a matter of like, what, so what do you want your career to be? Mm -hmm. You know, what do you want to do? Do you have thoughts about that?
0: Yeah, of course I am writing a TV show right now. I have a script deal with a network. And so we're in the middle of writing that. And I hope that that gets made because that would just open so many doors to so many things I want to do. Yeah, I have a cartoon uh, that I've drawn and written that I would like to get made as well.
1: That's makes. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, cartoons are popular and they're very you can popular. Even draw the I cartoon I can draw, do yeah. the voices
0: direct. I got the whole, write it. I got it. That's pretty funny. Um, and I would love to get my hour together in a really good place and put that out there and at some point just i would i mean of course we're talking about dreams now i would love to do theaters Yeah. So, you know, I would like to, I just, you know what it is. I like work. I like working and I would love to be able to be in a position where I have more creative freedom Mm -hmm. because right now it's all about proving yourself. You know what I mean? Like even doing this, this weekend, I have to prove to you, to my agent, to my manager that I can, that I'm, you know, are people going to believe that people are going to come see a gay guy in the beginning week of January and that, you know, but, and so we're here and we've proved it. So it's now I got to do it again. Yeah, absolutely. and do it again and do it again but I love the process I love the work I right. lo- I'm never happier than when I'm working and uh, you know I, I I sometimes think to myself like if I never took this step how unhappy would I have been you know what I right. mean like if I was just in some job that I hated and my only happiness was getting drunk on the weekends and going out and da 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 but you know what like again I have a different brain like some people don't have this neurotic compulsion that i have yeah and they're probably a lot happier than i am but i love the work i love yeah, I think the stuff
1: it's, it's you know they might be happier than you are you I know also shouldn't are, uh, compare
0: yeah exactly because, i'm just saying for myself yeah because you I can only
1: because what would you be otherwise you'd be worse off yeah. still yeah
0: it's literally like a nun's calling i mean it's just i've, I've had this neurotic compulsion and i just have to keep doing it
1: it does seem like I mean, this, and I'm really only judging this from the outside, but when you see some of the s- somewhat older comics who have moved into a more balanced life and are like kind of further into their careers where they're, you know, d- on TV shows or putting out hours regularly, they do seem to adjust and get mm-hmm. into like a more normal mm-hmm. type of life that isn't, you know, kind of what you're dealing with mm-hmm. right now where it, it is still hard and you're still questioned, like, mm-hmm. What am I doing day to day? Is it's this per- a crazy lifestyle? I'm literally lifestyle? on a
0: tightrope right now with no net underneath, and I've not thought of it that way. But it's frightening what I'm doing. It's very scary. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? I'm. Th- <laughs> I'm. Th- what the fuck am I doing? I'm I have no health insurance. I'm traveling around telling jokes, hoping to God that people just like it. Yeah. I mean, it's insane what we're doing. Is it? It is. It is crazy. We could also die tomorrow and I'd be much, I'm much happier this than. Yeah.
1: Well, you're taking a big chance. And I think, you know, all, everything is laid out for you right now. I think to, to have positive results. I hope so. Well,
0: I just have to, if that's the case, then I just have to, I work, I have to work twice as hard to meet my destiny that way. You know what I mean? You can't get it by being lazy.
1: Because what you were saying before too, is it can be a door into a different world. So even if you end up not putting out six hours and, you know, touring theaters only, you know, you may end up as a talking head, you know, you may end up as a writer, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. You may be, maybe you'll end up being a singer again. Who knows? I I
0: have a traveling jazz show that I do too. Yeah. We're touring the country with it.
1: But do you have, uh, you know, all those options open to you? And I, I think you've gotten past, I think you got through the hardest part.
0: I think I've gotten through the most challenging part. Yeah. But I don't know if. It, I think it's. It has remained just as difficult. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, but does the that filter, make sense? Yeah.
1: The filter, it gets smaller and smaller that you're trying to. But get the goals through.
0: become. Like before, like when you start comedy, your only goal is to make the comics you respect laugh. Yeah. Like if I could make Mark Norman laugh, or if I could make. Michelle, if I could get a response out of them, yeah. that was all I needed to like let me, I, that was enough energy for the week.
1: Yeah, definitely. But then
0: it starts to change because then you get, oh, well, this person books this show. Oh, well, then this person's a manager. Oh, this person books a TV show. It just starts to change. But when you really start out, and I, I, I try and keep this in mind, the goal should be what it was from the beginning. Can I get the other comics to laugh? Because I think at the end of this, you know, I'm of course I do lots of stuff. Like I'm always doing photo shoots. Like I'm, I'm doing stuff that materialistically will probably help my career. I work out a lot. I try and look as good as I can. I try, I'm a thought, I'm a whore, you know, but it's like the, the real crux of it is that I know that if I let go of what's actually important, which is jokes, being happy with what I'm doing on stage and the close people around me, I'm fucked. So I don't, tempt myself with drinking and, you know, drugs. I don't have a posse. I don't care about like fashion and I don't care about the yeah. scene and I don't care about cool things and I don't care. I don't care about any of it. I just really care about making comedians laugh and making audiences laugh and always being a little better this week than I was next week.
1: Yeah. I think you want to put on a show that, that you're happy with too, right. though. You know, right. you want to be happy with it for yourself. And also
0: I think I, I, I think people wouldn't even realize it, but I think I'm totally discredited a lot of times because I'm gay. Not that I'm like, woe is me. No sad song for me. I think people will naturally discredit me. Well, he's gay. He gets that. Do people
1: say that to you verbally?
0: Um, some have. Yeah. I don't, I think I've proven myself now at this point that yeah. I can handle myself and I'm, I'm joke oriented and I'm not just a fad, you know, but I think there was a long time where people were just sort of like, well, he just gets that because he's gay. And they might have been right, well, to yeah, be honest with you. Yeah,
1: those are like two. So there's the jealousy part of it. And then there's the actual barrier of a person who's not booking you or mm-hmm. selecting you for things because you're gay. Mm-hmm. Like you think, I'll get
0: some things because I'm gay and then I just simply won't be offered other things because I am gay.
1: So it kind of cuts both ways. Right. Yeah. So
0: I just have to be make sure that I'm creating my own content and that fuck everybody else. And Do as you, long as I'm funny, then it shouldn't matter. And it
1: definitely seems like things are changing in terms of being able to make your own content and find your own audience without having to go through the kind of old school people that were maybe a barrier to you in the past. I mean, have you found that that's true?
0: Well, you know, not that Instagram means everything, but like I've gotten to a point now where I have a big sort of following on Instagram yeah. now. and um that opens doors for me and yeah, absolutely. people can't give that to you i right. had to work for it right you know what i mean but no producer no director and so people are so superficial they'll see that i have a lot of followers and be like well let's consider him well and then realize that i have the chops to it's back a business it
1: up. decision yeah but i think they go hand in hand because you did the work both in both places right, right. so then when you get the opportunity you're ready to succeed yeah, with the opportunity yeah i think
0: I think I just want to make sure that I'm always prepared. Yeah. There's nothing worse than walking into a situation and not feeling prepared. So as long as I'm always thinking in a joke esque way, I'm my, the patterns, the rhythms Mm -hmm. of how I talk and keep things light and, and I'm able to converse and not take things too seriously, then I think I'm going to be always in a pretty good, pretty good position. You know, I mean, there's times we're sitting at the comedy cellar and you're talking about really serious subjects as long as you can sort of laugh about it, I think it's fine. I really have the mentality of don't gossip, don't get drunk, be respectful, be nice to the staff. Yeah. um, And show up on time. And things will really just come around. I think that's true. I mean, I, it's a great attitude. I mean, you'd be shocked by how many people just forget things. Don't show up. I'm not shocked drinking, by it. I deal or, with it every night of my life. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and it's like, you know, what's the difference? You know, people at the end just want to work with people who are reliable no kidding and so if you can be funny and reliable yeah you're booked yeah it's a
1: it's definitely it's definitely a trade-off because some people are so funny that you're tempted to want to work with them because of how funny they are and then you can just you don't want to go through the hassle of yeah. getting that person and then you position. can see you know you kind of learn You look from the outside and you think, why is this? This person is so funny. Right. You know, why are they not further along? And then if you end up being around that person or get to know, then you understand it becomes clear with each person. You're like, there are things that are holding them
0: back. There's a comic I love and adore from back in the day. And I think they're the most brilliant comic in the world. Their writing is unbelievable. And they make me laugh harder than anyone in the world. But they just can't stop doing drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So. They'll, they'll always be in their own way. Yeah. And it's such a shame because it's like, as much as you want to help that person, it's like, well, this is something that they have to get in control of themselves. So, you know, you, you kind of look at people, you're like, that's a warning sign. Like, don't go down that path, you know, Absolutely. stay down the path of work. I really do look at Joan Rivers and I'm like, you know, people watched her documentary and like, it was so sad. And I was like, I did not see someone sad. I saw a triumphant, happy person who, who, living their dreams and uh, I hope that I can seriously of course you know what I mean I can't imagine what they went through but just speaking on the younger comedians mm-hmm. who are coming out there's a crop of us who are kind of all starting to pop and it's so exciting to see John Early and Joel Kim Booster and James Adomian and Alex English and you know um Jabuki like there's all these yeah, yeah. comedians that I just love and adore and like you know when I see Jabuki on The Tonight Show my heart swells with pride because all it does is help me and it makes me so happy to see that that the world is coming around and that there's not not just one type of gay person out there
1: yeah and he's coming from a whole different world
0: oh my god him and joel and julio torres you know it's like oh gay comics they're all the same no they're not you're gonna put guy branham and julio torres on a show you're gonna get two very different shows yeah well
1: there's not just different styles but like with jabuki i mean he's so he's so young compared to me, the, the I'm working, old. The working, the com- working Well, to I'm get old. to get to the point where you're where you're on TV and you're you're touring, it takes a long time and a lot mm-hmm. of work. And so it's you know, just people who are shooting up really fast at that age. Only the, the fastest risers can be on TV mm-hmm. yet. So he's the one of the earliest mm-hmm. from that group, and. And that's a, a different mentality where everything is becoming accepted at a very young age. Everyone is being taught to accept that. So
0: Well, I don't know if it's being taught, but it's certainly people are allowed. It's certainly more visible. Yeah. I mean, I think that religion in small towns or even big towns, I mean, I think people are still they have a preconceived notion of what it means to be gay and associate it with bad. Even people who you say, still think that's happening. I don't think I know. I mean, people are killing themselves. Little I mean, there's, young kids. There's, young, there's gay suicide. Yeah. There is, I mean, homophobia is rampant in in the Catholic and actually all Christian churches. Yeah. You know, I mean, it gets, it's bad. It's really, really bad. And people aren't even aware of the psychological damage they're doing to young kids. Not even gay kids, but to tell straight people that being gay is wrong is already setting people up. You're dividing. You're already yeah. dividing. Yeah. Um, it's illegal to be gay in I think seventy two countries. I think that was the count. I mean, yeah. you know, I, look, it's easy to live in my bubble in Manhattan and feel safe. Right. But um,
1: yeah, that's how I. I mean, living in D.C. I, I just forget. Well, everyone's gay here. It's oh, called spade a spade. Mm. <laughs> the it's a very liberal place. It you is. Know, it's like ninety two percent liberal. Yeah. So it's you forget just because I I don't come into contact with. With conservative people. I never
0: forget because I leave New York a lot. Yeah, right. Change how I dress, change how I walk, change how I talk. I mean, that was just my whole high school experience was like trying to change who I was so people didn't. And it
1: still feels that way in places. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think less and less in some places. And I'm not giving credit where credits do but I'm just saying from my experience look I'm 32 I think as a 12 year old they probably view this very differently than me mm-hmm. and I bet you a 55 year old views this very different than me you yeah, know I'm right, coming right. From, I I'm of the last generation where we didn't have an outlet if you were gay you were scared out of your mind and um if I wanted to find other gay people I had to really search for gay people mm-hmm. um my generation, like when I was 18, there was no YouTube, Facebook wasn't even a thing. I had the internet, so I could find like maybe gay chat rooms or maybe gay like it just wasn't as available. Grinder wasn't a thing. I think Manhunt was still a thing, so I had to get a, a fake ID to go to gay bars. That's how you met gay people, right? And and I didn't know anything about gay history. I had to seek my own history. I had to understand what it mean being what being gay was. I didn't even know what it really. Meant I was threatened by everything because I was still homophobic because those were the things instilled on me, and so it takes years to not only shed my own shame. It takes years to understand that what is a drag queen, (laughs) and you know what I mean. Like what is, uh, you know, uh, uh, the the list goes on. Now that's my generation. People above me, they were watching all their friends die. There was an epidemic happening, that. I can't even imagine the the horror that they went through. Right. And then now you've got this super young generation that has no idea that, you know, what that is. And AIDS seems like it was forever ago. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's... They're just you. There's Tyler Oakley. There's Glee. They're on TV. They can go online. They can find any chat room. They can go on Instagram. They have outlets at their fingertips to find other gay people to communicate with. I'm not saying it makes it easier, but I'm saying from my perspective, I look back and think, God, we have really done a lot of work. We've done a lot of good work that kids can come out and it's okay, And parents now know what being gay is because a lot of times people are homophobic. It just comes from fear, irrational fear, Mm -hmm. because they don't, quote unquote, understand what it means to be gay. Once you are exposed to gay people and what gay people are, that's why it's important to have gay people on TV because you can watch it and realize that we're not this scary monster. Unless you're going to the cock in the East Village at two o'clock in the morning where it looks like a renaissance painting of hell. I don't recommend anyone going. Um, But, you know, if you see gay people, you realize that it's not scary and that if your child is gay, that it doesn't mean it's the end of the world. That it just means it's a natural part of life. But I think gen- it's all changing generational wise You know, me being gay and being on TV, I still get messages on Instagram. I came out because of you. You're the first gay person I saw on TV. You know, when I did guy code and girl code. I sat next to Charlemagne, and I bet you that was pretty impactful yeah, for right. young kids to watch. I wouldn't know what it's like to watch someone like Charlemagne sit openly with a gay man, and that's not the topic of conversation, right. just chatting like they're normal right, friends. Right, right. I don't know.
1: Do you feel an obligation to? I don't have believe a, in role models. Have a message? No. With so, when you're developing your material, it is just about what you're interested what's in funny. talking about. Yeah, you just what's whatever. What's funny and what's funny.
0: interesting to me? I don't like the idea of role models because even the people that I look up to, those people wouldn't want to be role models. Right. I think we look at people. What we should be looking at in people is we can take things from people and be inspired yeah, by exactly. those people but don't put these people on a pedestal right you know i mean the people that i love and adore who i disagree with a lot um christopher hitchens fran lebowitz mm-hmm. maria callis maya angelou howard stern these are the people i look up to the most they the only thing they have in common is that they are exactly, they know exactly how they feel on something, and they don't budge an inch. Yeah. And I disagree with Christopher Hitchens on almost yeah, everything. Yeah, well, yeah. no, I, says, I agree well, with all his religious stuff. He says a lot of dumb stuff. stuff, yeah. He does, but you know what? Love him. Yeah. I think it's okay to like people we disagree with. Now, if I looked at him as a role model, he couldn't express himself to his full extent. Yeah, I, Or well, Fran Lebowitz, or Howard Stern, or Maya Angelou, because yeah. that means you're trying to please somebody. Somebody else is in mind, and you're sacrificing what you're yeah, compromising your, your own inter- yeah. exactly mm-hmm. so for me look this is my opinion i may change it whatever so for me if someone's like well we look up to you and you're a role model i would say well that sounds like that's your problem right i'm just being me and gonna do what i want to do if you want to take something from that that inspires you good if you don't like something then don't pay attention to it but yeah, i'm totally. not putting myself in a position and look if i get well, in a position too,
1: almost of, too much to
0: take on and look, if I, if I get in a position of power and I'm famous on this stuff, I will obviously try and do stuff to give back to my community. Right. Um. I have a I have a deep seated love for the gay community, the LGBT community, the queer community, the trans community, and in specific in youth, I'd love to be able to um, help. Provide shelter and homes for these kids who get yeah. kicked out of it. that. That would be my goal. I can't do everything. I can't save everything. You right. Know? But That's I mean, right. if there's something that I could focus on, I'd focus on that. Again, I wouldn't want to be a role model.
1: Yeah, but I think yeah, I think you do make a difference already, just being yourself and pursuing what you're pursuing it does make a difference you i know? mean
0: i think people have said similar messages yeah. to me just for me being me that inspires them for something but you know I, I if you start to really worry about what other people think about you that's where it all goes wrong
1: i think that's definitely true because you can't you once you stop being genuine then you lose the power of whatever you're doing
0: i mean joan if she and i keep going back to her but like if if she thought of herself as this pioneer woman and I'm the first woman to do it and blah blah blah. She would have stopped being funny years ago. Yeah. Totally. You know what she thought? I better be funny. Yeah. I better be funny. Or I'm out. That's what she thought. And so she fought till the day she died. And people would try and say you're a legend and she would say, Screw you and she kept moving. Yeah. And I totally. thought, yeah, because she knows what got her work in the first place. That was being funny. That's her currency. Don't lose that. So I'm just gonna keep that same mentality of like, I better just be funny.
1: I think it's very cool, man. I think uh, I think you're on the right track. I hope so. Well, thanks a lot, man.
0: Thanks for having me. All
1: right. For more information about our live shows, check out undergroundcomedydc.com.